Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And welcome to the Big Football Show, a podcast from The Athletic about Big Ten football. I'm Mitch Sherman. Scott Docterman is here. If it's Wednesday, we are talking about the Big Ten West. Scott, happy holidays to you and your family. How is everything? Are you enjoying the start of the college bowl season? No, <laughs> in a word. Actually, it's been really crazy this year because you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's uh, you can't even have a bowl pool because teams are dropping out. Uh, bowls are getting canceled in the middle of it. Uh, so it's, uh, it's not enjoyable at all. But that said, it is college football, so you have to at least uh, be excited about that part of things. We were just discussing the Gasparilla Bowl here canceled as South Carolina unable to make it through COVID issues. So UAB's left without a team. And unfortunately, there's not a Big Ten West team to go fill that that spot in the Gasparilla Bowl. Well, at least not one that uh, is ready to play. So expect more of this craziness as we get closer to New Year's Day and into January with this bowl season. It's going to be just like the regular season, a postseason unlike no other. So we are here today to talk about bowl games, get you get you caught up on developments in the West, who's going bowling, who's not going bowling, how those decisions were made. And I want to start, Scott, with the team that you cover, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and catch up on development since a week ago. Iowa has not played a game since we last visited, but a lot has happened in Iowa City. Fill us in on the latest. Yeah, Kirk Ferentz, uh, the coach, was uh, diagnosed, was tested positive for COVID uh, late last week. And uh, in the interim, about six different assistants have, and I've heard as many as one more just recently. Uh, so, And then you throw on a few players, and they've reached a pause. So on Monday, they paused all football activities. That's going to go for five days until probably Saturday, it looks, uh, the, the day after Christmas, and they will return to the practice field. And uh, the lucky thing for Iowa in this right this very second is that uh, it's the assistants that have kind of created the issue, not the players. And so the assistants uh, have a shorter window. They're the CDC guideline of 10 days. If it was the players, it'd be 17. And there are a few players who have tested positive. And I asked Gary Barta this directly, and he said he didn't know, which is, of course, a lie, I think. But And that is, why would you just send them home at this point? If you have a game next week, they're on semester break, why keep them around? And he didn't know is what he said. But at that point, I thought, hmm, you know, if you had, say, five players test positive and you sent them all home, 
how would that affect the testing coming up? You know, the, do they still count or because they're off campus, do they not count? So there are a few questions I have about the Iowa situation as we sit here um, going into December 23rd. Yeah, lots that's up in the air. So the Hawkeyes are set to play a week from Wednesday on December 30th in the Music City Bowl against Missouri. If this game does take place, it's border state schools that, I looked this up today, went 100 years without playing before the 2010 Insight Bowl, which was a three-point Iowa win. And here we are a decade later with the rematch. Is there is there some some energy, some excitement for Iowa-Missouri because it's a regional game. Um, do you think that factored in, in why this matchup was made? I think a little bit. From what I read uh, from our colleague Peter Ball on the SEC side who covers Mizzou is that uh, Missouri kind of wanted this matchup. They had their choice of after the Citrus Bowl of where they wanted to go, and they picked that because the majority of their players are from that region. They could leave easier from Nashville. As for Iowa, you know, there's a different pecking order in the Big Ten. The SEC, after the Citrus Bowl, everybody kind of sends in, okay, this is where we want to go, and the SEC looks at it and says, okay, you go here, you go there. In the Big Ten, it's up to the bowls to make that selection. And uh, Iowa, most years would be pretty excited about this because it is a drivable bowl for Iowa. Uh, this year, you know, there are a little people are a little bit excited because you can actually get into it. Um, as opposed to every other Big Ten game. But then for Missouri, uh, it's hard to say. You know, I don't get it. This I think people are a little bit more juiced than they would be for, say, Old Miss. But it, it reminds me, going back to the 2010 game, uh, the Insight Bowl in Arizona, if you recall, uh, Nebraska had just lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. And Nebraska, I do remember that. Yes, and there was a lot of discussion going all the way into Selection Sunday that the Big Ten, uh, well, that Iowa was going to go to the Insight Bowl. That seemed to be almost a given. But the Nebraska would uh, play in, in the Insight Bowl, and then you'd kind of kick off and kickstart this series that actually had two teams that had just disappointing conclusions to their year, and maybe it would kick off a rivalry. Well, the scuttle was that Don Beebe, Dan Beebe said, we don't want this to be a four-hour infomercial on the Big Ten. So that's why he uh, recommended Missouri and, and strong-armed the Insight Bowl to take Missouri, which was 10-2, and two actually, so they weren't a bad team, and then, <laughs> and then punt Nebraska to the Holiday Bowl for the second straight year. To the Holiday year. Bowl. To the, the Holiday Bowl for the second straight year in a rematch against Washington, exactly. which Nebraska had routed earlier in the 2010 season and then lost to in its last game as a member of the Big 12. So yeah, going down uh, going down memory lane there. A decade ago this month, we had all of that drama that came out of um, Nebraska's season. Um, I just wrote a story a, a, a couple of weeks ago about the, the, the run-up to that postseason in Nebraska's last Big 12 road game, which was yeah. that that uh, crazy nine to six game against Texas A&M and the Huskers did go on and beat Colorado the week after, and then lost to OU lost a 17, nothing lead um, to OU in the, the big 12 championship game, which was, um, you know, somewhat reminiscent of the big 12 championship game that we just saw with Iowa state nearly coming back from mm -hmm. a 17, nothing deficit against the Sooners. So history uh, kind of repeating itself in, in a number of different ways here in 2020, 10 years after that, that end of the 2010 season that saw Iowa and Missouri play for the most recent time. So 
Um, we're hoping we have our fingers crossed that COVID does not spread more through the Iowa program in this downtime around the Christmas holiday and that Iowa can come back this weekend and start getting into bowl prep and, and uh, make its way to Nashville for that December 30th music city bowl. So arguably I would say Scott around all of the stuff that's been going on in the big 10 over the past few days, at least in the big 10 West, the biggest development over the past week is Brett Bielema. Now we talked about this last week on the pod after Lovey Smith was hired. We mentioned Brett Bielema as one of two or three leading candidates to get the job at Illinois. And sure enough on Saturday morning, the morning of the college football conference championship games, we got news out of Champaign that Brett Bielema, the Illinois native, the Iowa alum, former player, the ex-Wisconsin coach, took the Badgers to back-to-back Rose Bowls, is now back in the Big Ten West as the Illini coach. He did an interview in his car on college game day, so that was fun. This is, I guess, right how Josh Whitman grew, drew it up, right? I mean, get the attention on Illinois on this huge day in, in college football. What what do you think this means for the West to have Bielema back among uh, this group of programs? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It certainly makes it more interesting. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there is no love at all in Wisconsin for Brett Bielema. They hate him. <laughs> it's true. And was and Minnesota's right there with him. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, check the sheet when he went for two on uh, <laughs> Tim Brewster <laughs> back in 2010. And they were up like 41 to 13 or something like that. And they went for two. And somebody asked him about it. He goes, well, I just looked at the sheet. Um, the one school that still <laughs> has fond memories of Brett is, is here in Iowa, even though that, you know, they've they developed kind of a rivalry over time, but I think people always had a fondness for him. He was a team captain. He was a former walk-on, about a 200-pound walk-on, um, and then came to Iowa. Nose guard, right? Yeah, nose guard. 
Um, you can't, you know, it actually, Brett told me, I, I talked to him a few years ago and we went through the whole situation and he's like, I was about 195 pounds and Hayden was kind of like, yeah, okay, we'll see. And then he looks over and he sees, he goes, he sees my older brother, Bart, and he sees how big he is. And he's like, you think you could get that big? <laughs> Which, you know, uh, and, and Brett said, yeah. And so, you know, I became a team captain, uh, got thrown out of a lot of games for fighting, was best known for, uh, taunting Jim Walden, the Iowa State coach, uh, you know, calling him uh, a bad word. And he had to apologize for it after beating him. It's been fun beating you, you blank, for the last four years. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, then he was an assistant for Hayden and he was an assistant for Kirk on Kirk's first staff and uh, helped develop the, the 2002 championship team with as a great recruiter. He immediately energizes that program. He immediately makes Illinois a player for mid-level, at worst, prospects in the state of Illinois in the region. So therefore, Illinois is not going to be an afterthought. Now, that doesn't translate to automatic wins against anybody. I mean, they've beaten Iowa once in the last 20 years. Uh, they're going to have to do a little bit better than that. But I think what it does is People aren't going to have to aren't going to be able to overlook Illinois anymore. Can we imagine Brett Bielema in Dublin against Nebraska for his first game as the <laughs> Illinois coach on the yeah. sidelines in Europe? It's 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 like uh, now I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think yeah. it has to happen now just because it's Brett Bielema taking the Illini across the Atlantic for his his um, his debut. Um, I, I mean, root for the vaccines even more to have a, a fast, positive impact worldwide so we can get Brett Bielema in, in Dublin um, against Nebraska in his first game. But even if not, even if that game gets, gets uh, postponed a couple of years or, or taken off the books altogether, I think it's going to be fun to have him back in the Big Ten West. I think it'll be really interesting to see does he does he run that same kind of power? We're going to hit you in the face, and we're going to do everything that we can to just run over other teams. Um, the the kind of offense that that he took over from from Barry Alvarez and really took to another level at mm -hmm. Wisconsin in his time there. Uh, great running backs played for him. It will be interesting to see if if he can bring that kind of a style to Illinois. Do you, do you feel like he's evolved at all as a coach from his time at Arkansas? And then he's been in the NFL uh, for the last few years, worked for, for Bill Belichick. And then he was with the giants this last year. Yo, yeah. I mean, he's, he's learned a lot because it was easy to kind of have this college ego to him, you know, cause he, if you think about it, everything he did came easy almost, you know, he, he worked for a legend in Hayden Fry. He worked for a potential Hall of Famer in Kirk Ferentz. Then he went to Bill Snyder. He got talked into going to Bill Snyder. And uh, and then Barry, actually he told me Barry Alvarez talked him into going to Bill Snyder because he said uh, he was, and then later on said it was because he was tired of Brett kicking his butt recruiting in Florida. And then he went and worked <laughs> for Barry Alvarez. So, you know, you, you talk about those four coaches there, you know, three Hall of Famers and one that's that's right on the borderline. And then, then he became, we won a lot at Wisconsin, went to Arkansas and got humbled pretty quickly. Then he worked for the best coach ever in Bill Belichick. So he's learned a lot, and I think he understands the the, the the scene pretty well. But what I like is when we looked at the Big Ten West not that long ago, a handful of years ago, it looked kind of like a boring, stale wasteland at times. 
you know, when Gary Anderson was at, at uh, Wisconsin and, uh, you know, take your pick at, you know, Jerry Kill was good at times at, at Minnesota. But now you're looking and you're seeing Jeff Brom, Brett Bielema, Fitzgerald for the time being. Um, you know, Paul Christ has done an excellent job. P.J. Fleck has, Kirk Ferentz, of course, and uh, Scott Frost, who, you know, had success at uh, at Central Florida. And, and you look at this and you go, wow, there's some personalities here. There's some dislike here. There's some rivalries. There's some history. This has a chance to be a very interesting division. And you know what? For us, interesting is really good. Yeah, I think for every every new hire that's made in the Big Ten West, it just makes it a little bit more interesting. And this one definitely follows that trend. The one thing that I took from what you said about Brett Bielema's path out of Iowa City and then back to the Big Ten is that Barry Alvarez is always the person behind the scenes who's pulling the strings <laughs> when you don't expect that he is. And I feel like he he does it in the Big Ten. Um, you know, he's 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 been on the college football playoff committee. Um, he's always just right right behind the uh, the key players in the shadows, like making his presence known, which, you know, is not a bad thing as an athletic director. And I don't know that people at Wisconsin would be uh, would be would would argue that all that much. But, uh, <clears throat> oh, you know, you know, going back to when they split into legends and leaders, he was the biggest loser. Far, by far and away in that that divisional setup because every border school except Illinois was outside of their division. You know, their two biggest rivals were Minnesota and Iowa. Minnesota, they still got to play, but it was non-divisional. They lost the Iowa rivalry. They lost the Michigan and Michigan State. Northwestern proximity-wise is the closest. And so he was really upset with that. So what he did was when he conceded, he goes, okay, but I want Nebraska for our first game. And so they gave it to him. Yeah, and he uh, he took care of business in that game. Yeah. Speaking of a school that Wisconsin has not taken care of business against, in particular, again, this year on the road in Evanston, I want to get to Northwestern. So after a 22-10 to loss Saturday against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, the Wildcats are headed to the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day against Auburn, a team coached in the interim by former Nebraska assistant Kevin Steele. The Cats are a favorite in this game, Scott. It's a rematch of the 2010. We're going back to 2010 again. The Outback Bowl, which was an overtime win for Auburn. And I looked this up. Since that time, I thought I was going to find something different. I really did. But since that time, that loss to Auburn in 2010, Northwestern is 4-1 and one against the SEC. Now, I will say that two of those wins came against Vanderbilt, one against Mississippi State and one against Kentucky. So they're getting a different level of SEC opponent here with Auburn, but it's an Auburn team, of course, that just fired its coach and is, as a result, coming off of some disappointment, as you'd expect when a coach is fired, coming off of some disappointment. No Gus Malzahn um, at the Outback Bowl, but uh, an opportunity for Northwestern to get a seventh win and really put a bow on what's been uh, a pretty special year in Evanston. The, the Mississippi State win in the Gator Bowl, what, in 2000, I want to say 14, was really important because that was, I think, their first bowl win. And so that kind of propelled them into a different level because they'd always gone to a bowl game and gotten shellacked. I think you probably remember one against Nebraska. And that have been the. I do remember an Alamo Bowl, yes. Alamo that Bowl was, a, was like 66 yeah. to 17 or something like that. They used to get shellacked all the time. But, you know, Kevin Steele, it's interesting because this is somewhat of an audition for him as uh, Auburn's head coach. There's a big pull for a lot of people there that want him to be the head coach. 
And so I don't know if they'll hire, if, if he is the hire, if they'll do it before the game or wait until afterwards. But uh, so you might see a, a change in, in demeanor from the Tigers. But this is this is what makes bowl games strange. When you don't have head coaches, you question motivation. You don't know. I mean, no, Northwestern has had a huge upheaval. Six different players have hit the transfer portal, you know, since uh, Sunday. And some really significant ones. So this is... Uh, this is kind of a, an interesting matchup for Northwestern, too. Now, I thought Northwestern played really hard against Ohio State, um, but just showed how limited it was offensively because I think if it did have a few more offensive players, I think it would have had a chance to upset Ohio State. Can it do the same against Auburn, which has some quick strike capability and great athletes? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll flip a coin. That's that's what bowl season's all about, it seems. And as happens every time that we tape a pod, Scott, there's some breaking news in this pod. You just mentioned Kevin Steele potentially as a candidate for that Auburn job. Our Bruce Feldman is reporting just minutes ago as we taped this that Brian Harson from Boise State is going to take that Auburn job. So um, not so much of an audition for Kevin Steele as much <laughs> as, as it is maybe an audition for another job somewhere in the SEC. He's been seemingly everywhere in the SEC um, was the Baylor head coach. So um, Brian Harson, uh, it appears, is going to take over the Auburn job after the Tigers play Northwestern on New Year's Day in the Outback Bowl. So um, final bowl game for a Big Ten West team is the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, December 30th, Wisconsin 3-3 three and three versus Wake Forest from the ACC 4-4. Four and four. The Badgers brought home the axe on Saturday with a 20-17 overtime victory against Minnesota. Saw the celebration there. It looked very joyous. It has been a trying year for sure in Madison. This game, to me, is about as appealing as a bowl of mayo. So what do you think is there to... What are we supposed to look for from Wisconsin in a three-win season here to cap this thing off in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl? The Badgers had a decision to make, like Nebraska, like Minnesota, like Penn State, like Michigan State, teams that had disappointing years and chose not to play in the postseason. Wisconsin chose to play in the postseason. What do you want to see in this in this cap to Wisconsin's season uh, when they get back on the field on December 30th? I just want to see some consistency on offense. This is a really good defensive team. Um, they're, they're as good as they always have been. I mean, they played hard and, and lost at, at Iowa and, and against Indiana and then beat Minnesota. I think they've got this the, the guts of a really good team. Uh, quarterback is interesting with Jack Cohen now going to the transfer portal. It means it's uh, you know, Graham Mertz's team going forward. I didn't think anybody thought differently, but after Cohen got hurt, you know, what does this mean for him and them? Um, I, I'm probably with you about the appeal, <laughs> you know, the, the Mayo bowl, it kind of gets me there and, and maybe that's the opponent and I shouldn't feel that way, but Wake Forest never really excites me very much. It's kind of like, I don't know, you know, like an, to play it, you know, if your favorite baseball team is playing the Tampa Rays, and I'm not saying when they're good, but just when they were an expansion team or the Miami Marlins, I don't know. The every other year Tampa Rays. Yeah, it's just like, uh, 
you know, you got Wake Forest. I mean, and that, that's what uh, that's why I was like, well, if, if they go somewhere, I hope it's the Music City Bowl. Iowa's case, I it's the Music City Bowl just because it could be Kentucky or Missouri or Ole Miss or somebody that kind of okay, there's some there's some fire there, and Wake Forest just never seems to have it. So, I I think in their case, if they can build on what they did against Minnesota, which was a very competitive, hard fought game. And if they can come out with a win, they'll feel good about themselves. And then they'll just kind of say, all right, this year was what it was and let's move on. And, and I think that's probably important for, for the Badgers. I'm generally pretty excited to see Wisconsin play in the postseason because it, 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 it I feel like most of their matchups are against those big SEC schools or a big school from the Pac-12 where you have an opportunity to really see a clash in styles. And this one is not doing that for me because it's Wake Forest. And, you know, part of that's probably on me and that I haven't watched Wake Forest much this year. I see that they're four and four and I, I just don't know, you know, what that game is, is going to, um, you know, tell me new about Wisconsin. So um, I'll give it a chance. I'll try the Mayo. This used to be the Belk Bowl. It's a fun game to uh, to follow on social media, but um, you know, I don't. I, that, that may be the most interesting part about it. We'll. we'll um, I'm going to have an open mind. I'm going to go into December 30th. Iowa's playing that day. Wisconsin's playing that day. It should be a good um, a good postseason day. Knock on wood that everybody stays healthy, and um, you know, we'll see what uh, what comes out of that Wake Forest uh, Wisconsin game. Elsewhere in the West, as I mentioned, Minnesota, after the uh, final game against Wisconsin, removed itself from bowl consideration, as did Nebraska. And I want to spend a little bit of time on this because it's a decision that raised a few eyebrows. The Huskers perhaps could have gone to Phoenix for the guaranteed rate bowl, which would have been this Saturday, the day after Christmas, December 20, 26th. Um, that game ended up getting canceled because they couldn't get a matchup together. Perhaps it would have worked if Nebraska had stayed in consideration and taken that that invite. So what did you think, Scott, first upon hearing of Nebraska's choice, which was the player's choice, um, to sit out this postseason? And it came one day after the Huskers won their finale 28-21 at Rutgers Friday night in that opening game of the Big Ten Champions Week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I was a little bit surprised when they opted out as I was when Penn State opted out uh, because, you know, the, the rhetoric all year, and I don't really want to get into that part. You can you can if you want. But, I mean, I just thought that that was something that Nebraska probably would have wanted was that opportunity to play in a bowl game. But yet, I think it shows class. It shows dignity. It shows a, a good um, – it shows – smarts from Scott Frost that don't push it. If they don't want it, don't push it. It's been a tough year for everybody. And and uh, you, you hear it from every single coach, and it's true. They've endured more than they've ever endured. As, and I, I don't know if you saw the video that P.J. Fleck discussed it for two minutes, and it, it was just really hard felt talking about, do I really want these guys to, to sit and have a box lunch on Christmas Day? 
by themselves because they can't all be together. And and I think with Nebraska winning, playing well, I had the I had the feeling that that would have been a bad game for them in some ways against Rutgers. And but I thought that the way they played, they play they perform well. I thought it was probably a good send off. And, in high, and, and looking back now a few days later, I thought it was the right decision. Now, you're way closer to the program, so what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was a good send-off for the guys who weren't coming back, and there's a lot of seniors, of course, as there are on every team who have decisions to make here in the days ahead. But um, the way that Nebraska came back from a pretty miserable first half in that game in Piscataway, uh, Adrian Martinez was responsible for four turnovers in this game and then went over 400 yards of total offense. And Nebraska, after an early turnover in the third quarter, played about as well and as focused and just as tough and strong as it has all season. So it saved its best for the, for last. The Huskers had three drives of 90 yards plus in the second half of that game. The only team in all of the FBS to do that in a single half of football this year. So Rutgers was worn out. They were beaten down. Their defense was on the field almost the entire second half. Um, the offensive production or the scoring that came from Rutgers in the second half of that game was a kickoff return by Aaron Cruikshank who lives forever in the nightmares of Nebraska people because he did the uh, same thing to the Huskers a year ago at Memorial Stadium for Wisconsin. But there was no offense for Rutgers in the second half of that game. Um, and their defense just got completely drained to the point where Nebraska got the ball back with seven and a half minutes in the game, up seven points, and just grounded out and ended up in victory formation. So it was a statement, I think, um, that those players wanted to make. I think they felt good about where they were at. And then the reality of it is when they got home on Saturday is that they were three and five. And this is a conversation about playing in games that they've been having since August when this team was adamant that it wanted a season. It was outspoken. Its coach was outspoken. Athletic director Bill Moose was outspoken. There was the lawsuit filed by eight players on this team against the Big Ten. So all kinds of stuff that got into the news about Nebraska wanting to play football. And I've heard that brought up quite a bit since Sunday when Nebraska declined the opportunity to, to go into the postseason. And I just think they're two completely different conversations. Nebraska wanted a season and Nebraska got a season. It got eight games, um, you know, more than other, some other teams in the Big Ten. And here we are at the end. And what do you have to gain? really from playing as a three and five team in a bowl game where you're not going to get the normal bowl experience. You're not going to play in front of fans. Um, you're going to miss the experience of being able to be home for Christmas with your family. And I understand that every big 10 team and every team, almost every team around the country that did opt to play in a bowl game is going to make that sacrifice and be away. If those players are going to be away from their families for Christmas at I Iowa, that's going to happen while they wait to get back to practice ahead of this December 30th game. But Iowa's six and two and Nebraska's three and five. And there's a huge difference there as far as the motivation level and what you're looking to do in this last game. There's been a lot of talk out in Nebraska camp for the last two or three years about how important it would be to get this program back into a bowl game so that it could experience having more practices in December and getting up to speed with what all of its competition is doing year round. Well, this 
this guaranteed rate bowl would have allowed Nebraska three or four more practices. We're not talking about the 12 to 14 that you get in a normal bowl experience. So um, apples and oranges to me, when you compare the conversations that were had in August and September about wanting to play football versus doing that again on this, the Saturday or Sunday after a three and five season. So I'm totally fine uh, with Nebraska being at home this week, I think, um, you know, these guys deserve to have some time off now and um, let their wounds heal a little bit and, the, and then start start the focus on uh, on 2021 in January. Yeah, absolutely. That, that This has been just such a grueling year. Then they played later. This isn't like the season ended on Black Friday and they had a month and then they had finals. And as you mentioned, even more important than playing in a bowl game for most of these coaches is getting the extra 15 practices in so you can get your freshmen working on your team rather than the scout team. Well, that's not going to take place. So if you're you know, if you're three and five and it's been a long, grueling year, there's just no need for this uh, because the bowl experience isn't, you know, you're not going to go to Phoenix and, and go to the zoo or, you know, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate. Iowa would love to go. Well, not maybe not all the players, but a lot of the players would love to go to the <laughs> certain sites in Nashville and, you know, Dallas Jacobus for sure, because uh, he's an aspiring country star. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, it's it's not the same this year that, that you can't make it the same. I, I thought the one team that probably surprised me the most, though, was Penn State, because yeah. Penn State's a lot like Nebraska in the way they follow football. Started 0-5 and won four straight. They, they looked more the part towards the end of the year and um, you know, certainly did the other day. They looked really good, but, but I think I credit the coaches for how they went through this because the ones that have decided to opt out, they did it for the right reasons. And then the ones that I think are playing, you know, the, the five in the big 10, I mean, one's in the final four in Ohio state, you know, three others had pretty good years. You're not going to just throw that away. And then, and then in Wisconsin's case, why not? You know, they, they had a lot of lost opportunities to play this year and, and uh, I wouldn't have faulted them or anybody else that wanted to play. So I, this is just such a crazy year. I think we accept it for what it is. And uh, thankfully to, to everyone involved, uh, for making it actually a season because it would have been really tough if we were still sitting here going, okay, get ready for the games and domes starting in two weeks in Minneapolis. Man, could you imagine that? That would have been a, a, a truly uh, bizarre existence to be talking now about the start of uh, the Big Ten season in a January uh, January type setting. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, major, uh, major heartfelt thank you to everybody who made this season happen around the Big Ten and in college football. Um, it was, uh, it was far from normal and there's, there's nothing normal about the way that it's, uh, really the way that it's going on right now either, but, uh, but they powered through and, um, we've got a few teams left to, uh, to still play a game. The one big 10 West team that we have not mentioned here is Purdue and the Boilers are also home for the holidays, um, not pursuing a bowl invitation after a struggle to the finish. And of course, having that final game canceled against Indiana uh, twice. So, <laughs> right. They are looking uh, for a defensive coordinator, however. Yes. Uh, Bob Diaco out at Purdue. Um, another short stay for him in the Big Ten West. So, right. 
Our picks last week, Scott, I had Justin Fields. Of course, Justin Fields had his worst game of the year against Northwestern in the Big 12 title game. Threw two interceptions, no touchdowns, just 114 yards passing. Probably should have gone with Trey Sermon, who ran for (laughs) 331 yards. I mean, who would have thought that against Northwestern? An an all-time single-game Ohio State rushing record for an individual or even Nebraska's Diedrich Mills. We talked a little bit about the Huskers and their ability to take over the line of scrimmage in that game against Rutgers Mills in what may have been his last game at Nebraska, 25 carries, 191 yards, and he leaves a blueprint for Scott Frost and those offensive coaches on how to use a featured back in that offensive system and I think how important it will be for Nebraska to find a guy to carry that kind of a load in um in, in the uh, in the season ahead. So um, I am opening up our options in these picks to all Big Ten teams playing in the postseason. That hey, include... I won. Let, you're gonna forget that. Yeah, who I did won. you? Who did you? Who did you? Yeah, did you pick? Sean Cl- Sean Clifford. T- yes, sixteen of twenty two, two eighty five, two touchdowns for Penn State that rolled Illinois. So uh, yes, I we went out of. We went out of the division last week, and since you picked Justin Fields, I opened it up, and and I won. Well, congrats, and I didn't Thanks. mean to shortchange you on that. I was going to get to your pick, but I'm glad yeah. that you brought it up. Um, so we can go with Ohio State players in this uh, in this final round. Um, we can go with Indiana players. The Hoosiers are locking horns with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in the January 2nd uh, Outback Bowl. Um is that the Outback Bowl? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Um, I am going to take, speaking of Indiana, the former Indiana quarterback now at Northwestern, Peyton Ramsey, against that Auburn defense. And I feel good about Ramsey and uh, that Northwestern offense having a good day um, in the postseason. That's that's a good pick. Citrus Bowl. Um, yes. Right, yeah, in the Citrus Bowl. The old Capital One Bowl. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great pick. He's going to have a good game. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun game to watch because, you know, Indiana has some, uh, or let's see, Northwestern, Auburn, they've got a clash in styles. I like Indiana too. I think that's going to be a fun game with Ole Miss uh, because you have Elijah uh, Moore, who's a great wide receiver for Ole Miss. And then you got some of the best DBs in the country at, at Indiana. My pick is going to be some semi-provincial, and that's Tyler Goodson. And that's because Missouri can't stop anybody. Missouri lost its best defender in uh, Nick Bolton, who decided to, to leave. And uh, absent picking a defender, which I could, I suppose, I'm just going to say Tyler Goodson's going to run for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. All right. Specific. I'll say Peyton Ramsey uh, throws for uh, 215 and uh, two scores and engineers a, a, a victory against Auburn. So uh, we will... We will grade those picks uh, the next time that we are with you after bowl season. That will do it, our show for today. Merry Christmas to all of our listeners and happy bowl season too. We will be off for a couple of days over the holiday, but the show is back on Monday ahead of New Year's week, New Year's Day, with much more on Ohio State in the college football playoff analysis as other Big Ten teams prep for the postseason. Listen every day to the Big Football Show. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Review the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic 
for coverage from all of us and much more. Thanks for listening.